This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit like and subscribe, whatever you're listening on. iHeart, YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, we're on it all. Hit that like and subscribe button. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight, Ball State athlete Paul Havocott. From the Walker Report, Bradley Walker. From Steelers Nation South, Rollo Cawthon. We're joined tonight by a current professional soccer defenseman for Louisville City FC. Uh, formerly played for the Chicago Fire, the Rochester Rhinos, and the Milwaukee Wave. I got him marked down with 35 career goals entering the 2023 season, uh, 256 appearances. He's been named the USL All-League First Team in 2020, 2021, 2022, and coming soon, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> we got defenseman Sean Tosh here. Sean, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a good debate tonight. We're going to be debating the greatest U.S. men's born defender and as always we'll have a Q&A after for Sean about his career and the, and the things he's been up to um, and we're going to start out tonight with uh, Paul. Okay I went uh, Carlos Bocanegra he had a very good college career with the UCLA Bruins appearing in 43 matches and scoring seven goals. In 2013 he was inducted in the UCLA Athletics Hall of Fame. Carlos then went fourth round in the MLS Super Draft taken by the Chicago Fire with that club, he developed into one of the very best defenders at that level. He was named MLS Rookie of the Year in 2000 and helped his team win the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. In both uh, 2002 and 2003, he was named Defender of the Year, becoming the first MLS player to win the award multiple times. He then went to play for Fulham in the Premier League in 2004. He played 116 matches over the next five seasons. And this was kind of interesting the fans and players, I guess, named him, it was the Fulham fans, nicknamed him Jackal, the Jackal. Um, mm. Usually, when you have a nickname, it's pretty obvious why, but I could not find why they called him the Jackal, or the second nickname was Black Snake, so maybe uh, Sean knows. I don't know, but that's not much of a know. nickname if I can't find why they called him that. But he spent the next four years in the French League. And then three more in the Scottish League before returning to MLS with the Chivas USA club in 2013 and 14. Uh, Chivas actually traded first round draft pick in order to have the opportunity to sign uh, Carlos. In international play, he played for Team USA, uh, won two golds, one silver, and one bronze. After his playing career ended, he became the vice president of Atlanta's MLS club. And he's also on the technical developmental committee. For U.S. soccer in 2020, he was inducted into the National Soccer Hall of Fame. And that's Carlos. So, yeah, he has one more nickname, Captain America, believe it or not. Where'd you so, find that at? Uh, that's just kind of his, uh, his, I guess, let's call it international name. We'll go with that. So why but, they call uh, him the Jackal then? That I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> Maybe just like being that. like, you know, feisty and small I don't know. it's all over but they also said black snake too it seems different things you know i don't know maybe he's a samuel jackson fan i don't know but uh sean let, let, let me come to you here so with carlos he's known for his effort and his energy um very high energy player but what are your thoughts on him internationally he, he is definitely well known out there for playing overseas a little bit too so I actually have a little bit of a not I don't know him personally, but have a a personal bias um, to Carlos Bocanegra in this debate. So I grew up in the, the Chicago suburbs, uh, Naperville and Oswego. So for fans of the Chicago Fire, 
there was two years, 2002, 2003, I think. The Fire played, they were uh, between their field, their uh, stadium in Bridgeview and uh, um, Soldier Field downtown. And they played two years at uh, North Central College in downtown Naperville. Um, and my dad was one of the people who helped signed on allowing the fire to play there. Uh, so, I mean, they were literally playing games in my backyard almost, it felt like. So I had, I had that uh, um, proximity to see him play at North Central College, which was a really cool experience for me. And then um, I actually went on a trip uh, to see him play at Fulham, Fulham, Portsmouth. I want to say it was something like 2005 seeing him, Dempsey, uh, and Brian McBride, I want to say all on the same, wow. the same field. Uh, so for like a group of American boys going to watch them play all at the same time at Craven's Cottage, uh, he has a, a, a special place in, uh, in, in my heart, in my, uh, you know, soccer career, just because of uh, those two personal connections. Sounds like this debate's over. See you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you started out hot like, here. This is it's done. I was just about to say, Paul sounded like sounded pretty good here tonight. So yeah, uh, what did you think of his play? Like defensively, did he have any holes that, that you noticed at all? Taking away your bias. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that the thing is you gotta you know set the bias up on the shelf away from it and you know put those things aside. Um, you know, I just think. Uh, you know, him being the, that energetic, feisty player, you know, as you described, are things that, uh, you know, everyone loves to see in a defender. And I think, you know, it's a little bit different era as far as, you know, where the game has, game is at now versus where it was then. I mean, I think he, he was, uh, you know, not, I couldn't, you know, point out any holes, uh. Well, let, let's go to who I think is probably the most famous American player of all time. Go ahead, Brad. Uh, that would be Alexi Lawless. Um, Lawless earned 96 caps for the U.S. national team between 1991 and 1998. He went on to start and play in all 90 minutes in the four U.S. games, the 1994 FIBA World Cup, and was in an honorable mention all-star. He was named the 1995 U.S. Soccer Athlete of the Year. Um, he has had a very wide foreign career. Uh, he was part of the United States Olympic soccer team. Um, in Spain, he was also selected as an overage player on the 1996 Summer Olympics for Team USA. Um, but I would have the one thing that I remember him for, and I mean, I not be for his soccer career. There is a uh, YouTube clip that you can watch of him getting very, very upset with the U.S. stars telling that they need to step up. And uh, if you get a chance to watch that YouTube clip, uh, it's something I've never seen, uh, you know, at, uh, you know, corresponding or announcers are not supposed to like, let their personal beliefs get into it. But Alexi let it all out and let everybody know how he felt about the U.S. stars uh, at that time frame. But, yeah, that's Alexi Lawless. <laughs> I, I do remember that. Sean, I, I don't remember any defenseman giving up the body more than Lawless did. Um, 
What what kind of physical toll does that do to a, to a player? Oh, I mean, that uh, that is that's an you know incredible thing. You know, just the the wear and tear. Um, and, you know, he did. I want to say have like a nine or ten year career. Um, so, um, you know, as far as a, a lot of the players, I don't think you know it was a, it's a good career, but it's not necessarily you know by any means the longest. Um, and you know that could be that could be a reason why. Um, I think uh, personally, I don't have a a very like strong memory of him as a player, um, and I feel like his his kind of outspoken commentary is kind of you know overshadowed any of his accolades or on field uh, contributions he's made in the past. And I think it's it's one thing as tough is is just you know, seeing how fast the game has changed from when he was a when he was a player to to what it is now, I think it's it's pretty easy to be critical of of players now when you don't you're not considering what he had to do and that it was a simpler a simpler style of play as a defender. You know, a lot of the teams um and you know american styles too even then are you know not necessarily possession oriented and you know your defenders were not really on the ball as much as they are now and having to break lines and uh break pressure as well as the defensive responsibilities and maintaining possession um so i think you know anything that he says you know that's kind of one of the first things that that come to my mind and that's one of the harder things just in general with you know some of the the uh, American legends that it's how much the game's changed and you know you see what a guy like Tim Ream's doing now where he's having to you know do those dis defensive responsibilities but you see how clean he is on the ball and um, you know breaking lines dribbling I think that's uh, you know one of the the traits that you don't necessarily see in some of the highlights that you see of, uh, you know, players like Alexi Lawless. You know, and it's funny you say that because we see guys like Lawless and uh, Kobe Jones, like they'll, they'll make comments like that today saying, you know, that these players, they need to pick it up today. But I grew up when they were in their prime, they weren't making it any further in the World Cup than what the guys do now for the U.S. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know. And I realized there wasn't a professional league back then. There wasn't MLS and, and, and that stuff. But I agree with you 100% on, on your comments there, Sean. So um, let's move on to our next player. Go ahead, Rollo. George Edward Pope, better known as Eddie Pope, started his career at the University of North Carolina, where he started every single game of his college career. He was also an NCAA All-American in 94. He was also the Tar Heels place kicker his freshman year, but he decided to stop that and focus on soccer. It's a good thing he did. He played with three soccer clubs and was on the national team for 11 years. He was a 22-year-old rookie when he scored the game-winning goal in extra time in the first MLS Cup, giving DC United their first title. <clears throat> um, he also scored a memorable goal against Mexico in a friendly um, in, in stoppage time. So the, they won, wound up winning one nothing. Uh, he's in three MLS Cups, had four best eleven selections, and was the <clears throat> was on another for U.S. national team for three World Cups. He would um, be the MLS Defender of the Year in 1997, 
He was a <clears throat> uh, starter for the national team at the 97, 96 Olympics. And he went to the 2011 National Soccer Hall of Fame. He was voted 11th all time on the Guardian's best soccer players of all time. He was 12th in the Bleacher Report, U.S. soccer player of all time, and 11th in the Sports Illustrated uh, top uh, um, soccer players of all time. All those, he was the number one defender in all those all those categories. So give Eddie Pope his due. Tell me your thoughts on Eddie Pope, crafty defenseman. He, he is definitely a well-known name out there in the United States. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the guys who, um, you know, a foundation of building the, the MLS into kind of what it is now. Um, you know, he's a guy who I instantly think of, like, his days, his earlier days with DC United and then the Metro Stars. Um, so, he, I mean, he's a guy who I, I just feel like it is one of those players that, you know, you identify with really, you know, building the foundation of, you know, what it means to, you know, to being a professional soccer player in the United States and at a high level and consistently. And, you know, at, for any of us, that's what we, we aspire to do is to not just, not just to be there, but to do it as consistent as he did. Defensively, he was the name for Team USA for a long time period there. So hats off to him. And we're going to move on to our, our final player here tonight. And uh, his name is Balboa, but it's, it's not this Balboa. So let's throw that out there. It's going to be Marcelo Balboa. Uh, <laughs> he has the looks of Fabio. The long hair, the the strong frame, and a total 1980s mustache that just probably sent the ladies crazy back in the day. Uh, so he played from 1987 to 2002. Uh, you know, that's a nice 15-year career for him. 235 mm -hmm. caps. And for anyone who doesn't know what a cap is, if you're not real familiar with soccer, that just means appearances. He had 46 goals, and then uh, internationally for the United States, he had another 128 caps and 13 goals. Um, he was the first U.S. defender to play in three World Cups, and that's very meaningful because any soccer person knows the biggest stage is not the Olympics in soccer, it's the World Cup. And to, to have that claim here in the U.S. that he was the first to do that, I think is really just strong to, to, to make him your vote tonight. But 2005, he's uh, named the MLS all-time team. So not just, you know, one year, like the all-time team there. And then uh, he's elected, of course, to the National Soccer Hall of Fame, first ballot election. Um, 2000s, he scored the uh, MS goal of the year with an amazing bicycle kick. I'm sure I'll find the clip and have it on here. Um, that was just an unforgettable goal there. 1988, he gets the Western Soccer League MVP. He's a college All-American in 88 and 89. Um, after retirement, he did go on to become an announcer and a coach for a while there. Um, and I, I just want to finish with this quote that he has. And, and I, I really like this quote. It says, he said, passion can be the difference between a job and something you enjoy doing for a living. And uh, I think that that's a, that's a really great statement. There's so many people out there that don't like what they do. And, and you know, it all comes down to the passion for what you're doing. So, Sean, this is another guy before your time, of course. But, uh, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on him? 
So, so my thoughts on him, I kind of uh, just brushed up on, you know, his resume and cause be, just because it's a, you know, player um, that doesn't just like pop into my head as far as like his, how long of he played for. And uh, I mean, he's, you know, we talked about, you know, some of the things I liked in Eddie Pope and, you know, really establishing and uh, you know, some of the, the core thoughts of when you, you know, think of MLS and U S soccer and uh, I mean, he was a guy who was grinding before there was a real league. You know, he was a guy playing for, you know, trying to get things going and, um, you know, clearly showing his passion for the game before it was, you know, fully recognized by, by the country and in, in a, you know, nationally recognized league. So, um, I mean, that, that, that's a huge thing for to, to not just not just do it when it's uh, – you know, it's laid out for you. You kind of have to like, create your own path. Um, and that's something he did. You know, he created a path for himself and he created a path for a lot of players after him. Excellent. Let's move into our vote here tonight. Um, we do have some honorable mentions and that would be uh, Jeff Agus. So he's our honorable mention tonight. Just missed our list. Uh, can't vote for your own guys. Paul, who are you taking? Oh, look at me. That's who I'm taking. I just looked up your guy. Oh, Boa. <laughs> There's nobody else. I told you he's got that look of Fabio there, man. Look at him. That's my choice right here. <laughs> Brad, go ahead. I'm going to go with uh, Rolo's guy, Eddie Pope. Pope. Uh, I was actually going to go uh, Pope, too. Um, I, I remember Pope vividly, and uh, he was the name for U.S. soccer. I mean, he was a lair. He was there after the Tony Miolas and the Lawlesses. But he was there before Dempsey and Donovan really took off, and he was the name. Pope was the name. I, I know there was a kid named Freddie Adu that was supposed to be the name, but it never worked out. So you know, it was it was definitely Pope. I'm going Pope. Rallo. Go with uh, Balboa, not Rocky. <laughs> this guy right here. See? There you go, Sean. You're gonna you're gonna stick with uh, Carlos, or you're gonna. Pick another one. Well, you put me in a sticky situation here. I'm the I'm the swing vote here. Really just, uh, you know, put me in a tough bind here. Everybody uh, knows it's Carlos, but this guy. So vote for your heart, but this guy is why why it's going to be close. Just his looks. Yeah. I mean, I really I really wish that I, I had that. And if I had those looks, then maybe I would be on some more of Louisville City's posters and advertising. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely, a, you know – don't have the the looks of, of him, and that's something you know. Maybe I'm a little jealous of, and I don't know if I <laughs> vote that way or I vote against it. It's like a therapy session here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, for me, I I still have to go with Carlos just because of uh, being able to see him up close and personal, and having that connection to my hometown team. And then also, he was you know one of those first players who made that jump to to recognize that American players could be successful outside of the United States. So there's one for uh, Carlos, two for Balboa, two for Pope. So this is what, like episode 125? This will be our first tie since probably some episode back in the 70s. So there you go. Fantastic. Uh, it's been a long time for a tie. But nice job, there's guys. There's no tie, this though. Guess, this is a guest. He should wait. He should outweight it. Well, if he well, broke it. If he well, my 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 next vote. If we, you know, we did rank choice voting here. I don't know what uh, you know tiebreakers are. My next one would be Balboa, 
Um, well, but but then it's fitting. It's a tie. It's a soccer thing. So yeah, leaving a tie. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's let's move into our Q and A for Sean. Uh, we'll go Rollo, Brad, Paul, and then me. Sean uh, Gallup does a poll every year that asks certain people what's their favorite sport. And back in 2010, soccer, U.S. soccer, was only two percent. This year, after the World Cup, it was ten percent. What do you or last year? What do you attribute that that rise in in popularity amongst you uh, the soccer for the U.S. now? Uh, I just think more and more people realize what it's like going to some of the games. I think as far as fan experience, it's the it's it's the best sport to go see, you know, top level sport. You know, I one thing for me is and that and we have a really good atmosphere here in Louisville, but everyone who comes to the game for the first time is like, you know, like I, I didn't realize this is what a soccer atmosphere is like. You know, you're not being forced to chant defense for the team. You know, it's a lot more organic. The, the fans are engaged. Uh, you have younger kids who are more engaged because of the amount of action and the sounds and the, the smells, the smoke bombs, everything going off. It's just like, it's a really good experience for fans um, that, you know, in a lot of places they do it, do it well and it's organic. And um, I think that's a real reason why. Brad. Sean, uh, you, you're in the USL. Is there a team that you look forward to playing against and a team that you do not look forward to playing against? Uh, I, there's definitely teams that I, I don't necessarily look forward to playing against, but it's more so just because of the nature of our league. Um, you know, anyone who's played in uh, – I mean, I guess it's even in the MLS as you play in uh, – United States, especially lower league United States, there's places away that the field conditions are not the greatest. Um, so even even in Louisville, we had a stretch and we won a USL championship on a on Louisville Slugger, a baseball stadium. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't like coming coming there to play. Um, so you know, there's some pretty tough turf fields and a couple baseball fields that are just. Uh, uh, you know, more so of the conditions than the actual teams themselves that I don't want to play against. Um, you know, and then there's there's teams that I look forward to playing against. Um, I, I always look forward to playing against Tampa. They're, uh, you know, we've kind of gone back and forth, uh, us and the Rowdies, um, on the Eastern Conference Championship over the last five years now. Um so there's just a lot of personal pride between the two teams. And, you know, that's one that both of us, you know, we mark on the calendar uh, when the schedule comes out. Okay, Sean, which one of Alexi Lawless's ideas on how to improve the game did you like the best? Was it the, uh, was it to make the goals bigger? Was it the uh, hockey penalty box maybe for penalties? Any one of these hitting you? Is that one of the comments you were referring to earlier? Yeah. Well, I don't know if – was he talking about bringing back the the old MLS style kickoff yeah, or uh, penalty kicks where it, you'd like, like – I know he got roasted for it, but he has a lot of weird – like offside only applies last 35 yards, kick-in option, throw-in option, 35-yard shootout. He got pretty roasted on it, but in all seriousness – 
Did you like any of them? Uh, I always thought that the shootout is, is kind of a fun one, like the 35-yard shootout. Uh, so I played two years of professional indoor soccer, and that's how the, the penalties are in, in uh, uh, if you're like a last-man tackle, they'll do a shootout. And I always like those. Um, so for me, I, it would be interesting. Uh, I don't think I would – so this last year I took a bunch of penalties and it helped me score a bunch of goals. I don't think I would be on those. Um, so it would take away from my goal scoring. But ultimately, as far as entertainment, I think – it's uh, it's it'd be pretty pretty cool to see that. So you mentioned indoor. That actually goes perfectly with my first question. I wanted you to tell us about playing indoor, and um, you scored twenty one goals in just a few seasons in indoor. That that's a pretty good number. How does the game differ? Like for our fans who aren't real familiar with soccer, I, I mean, I've seen both, of course, but uh, how does it differ defensively? Uh, well, I mean, the, the big thing is is it's, you know, very similar to hockey as far as changes. So, like, you're on you're on the field for, you know, and a lot of them it's, like, actually in hockey rinks. So you're playing in a hockey rink, and then they just – there's a section of the boards that are the goal taken out, and the goal is just built into the wall, um, and they lay down turf. So it's uh, it's very similar. You know, you're, you're out there for, uh, you know, a minute, two minutes, and then, you know, there's times too you can catch some player on changes that if you're a defender – and, uh, you know, you stay out there for too long and you don't change when it's your time because you're like, oh, I want to stay out here longer. Well, next thing you know, you're out there for three or four minutes straight and the guy's fresh coming at you. And, uh, you know, m- minute management is is a, is a factor in that that you don't really have to think about in the outdoor game. Hmm. One more each, guys. Same order. Sean, you won two USL championships, right? Uh, I've actually won three. Three. Okay, so you won three. So which one of those runs was more memorable for you? Um, if you were to tell your story in 25 years to somebody, which one of those runs do you think would be more memorable? Well, there's there's a clear choice, uh, and there's a, there's reasons why, and it, it'll, uh, you, you know, I don't think any of you guys will probably ever heard a story similar to this. So 2018, um, we won in Louisville. It was my second year in Louisville, and – our second year straight that we won. Um, but so we started the season on a really good stretch. I want to say we won like the first five or six games straight. Um, and our head coach at the time, James O'Connor, got an offer to go um, be the head coach for Orlando City. Um, so he got the, the offer, and part of the offer was that he was going to take his our whole staff with him. So he took our assistant coach and our goalie coach, which was our whole coaching staff with him and left. And then we didn't, they, the, the team did not have a hire right away and they didn't want to rush to hire someone else. So we actually went six weeks without a coach <laughs> and we, uh, we had three players who were part of a, a triumvirate of coaching staff so they were fully they were fully in charge of scouting teams and I mean everyone had to take up you know more responsibility as far as like watching video and stuff but there was three main players who were ultimately decision makers on who made starting lineup who made the roster who didn't um you know and they had to make those decisions about the team and themselves 
uh, over six weeks. And we went, I believe we went four, one and one over that time. Uh, and we actually lost to the fire in, in the open cup, uh, during that stretch. And, uh, we actually had an epic, the last game of the triumvirate, uh, with no coaching staff. We had two of the coaches of our player coaches on the field and the third one was on the bench and he had just come back fully from injury. And he was kind of like the main bench coach, uh, because he was hurt at the time. And, uh, he had the opportunity to sub himself in. So he subbed him, he, you know, took off his tracksuit, subbed himself into the game and our equipment manager took over as the coach for like the last 10 minutes of the game. And we like, we mounted a comeback after going down two zero, I believe in the game and ended up winning like six, two. Uh, and then we hired John Hackworth who came in former U S uh, youth national team coach. Um, and we went on a good stretch and, uh, you know, ended up, uh, winning the USL championship, but, you know, we went from a good start in the season and then having no coaching staff for, for six weeks and then a new coaching staff come in, um, and take all that in and then, you know, ultimately win the whole championship at home, um, at the end of the year was, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds made up. Go ahead, Brad. Sean and I, I you playing soccer for a long time. Who who are your idols? Uh, either before you were born or currently now. Who 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 do you idol the most in the game of soccer? That's a it's it's one that kind of like you know you go through. Uh, I feel like you kind of you can go through like personal phases of your game. You know, like there are certain aspects of other people's game that you kind of pick up and you like, you know, there's, there's times like more modern players that stand out more and times in the past, other players. Um, I mean, one, one player that just kind of, you know, always super consistent, highest level, same position, same number, Sergio Ramos. Um, you know, he's, he's a player who's, you know, as, as consistent as anyone else in the world. Um, and, both ends as well, you know, top-notch defender and consistently scores goals. Um, you know, he's he's a player for me that, uh, you know, as far as consistency and high-level play, I don't think there's, you know, too many that can match that. Okay, I'm going to give you a choice of questions. I was going to say or ask what you're proudest of in your career so far. But if you're uncomfortable because you're so humble and you don't want to answer that, then just tell me where I should visit in Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> well, honestly, I couldn't tell you too many to, places to visit in Fargo. I, uh, I've actually spent very little time in Fargo. Um, I was just born there. And then um, out, huh? we actually have a, a fam my, my mom's side of the family is all based out of North Dakota. And we actually have a, a family lake house up on the Canadian border in North Dakota, and that's that's my my favorite place in the world to visit. Um, it's a, a tiny little. It's not even really in a city. It's way up on the northern border of uh, North Dakota in in Canada, um, in the Turtle Mountains. Uh, so that, that's where I would say to visit, but it's it's nowhere near Fargo. Um, so. I would say what I'm proudest of, um, 
I think one of the biggest things for for my career is just what the game, the emotions that it's brought and the connections it's brought. Um, and I just think one of the coolest moments for me, um, I had a, um, I have a video clip of it, but there was a, a game last year um, where, I mean, anyone who, who goes to the games in Louisville, you've probably met my dad because he's the number one fan of the team. He wears a Papa Toach jersey around the whole stadium and tries to introduce himself to every single person. Uh, but he, uh, he, so he's made a, a lot of a lot of friends at at, uh, at the games. So there's a game uh, last year. We were playing Orange County at home, and I had a penalty kick. Um, I, I was able to step up. Or we we drew a penalty kick. Brian Ombi. Um, chopped a player in the box. I step up to take the penalty, and uh, my dad—not I didn't even know this at the time—and it's it's just after the video clip after that's you know so special to me. But I score the penalty and run to the corner and do my celebration and everything. But afterwards, I see this video of my dad on the capo stand, blaring, yelling through the megaphone, and a whole bunch of his friends embracing him. And like just the sounds and sights, and it's just like, it's like just raw emotion that you see, and really like that's that's the coolest thing to me is is you know what what this game can mean to people, and you know not just anyone, but the people closest to me when they can have those you know shared emotions and how much it means for him and how much that means for me is just uh, you know is a really cool moment for me. So we'll get you out of here with this. Um, I'm going to make it a two-parter because uh, I had a couple I wanted to ask. But uh, 2011, Northern Illinois, your team makes the NCAA tournament. I mean, that, that that's a big thing there. Uh, you know, how was that experience in winning that first-round game? And then my second question, this is something I, I've asked some other athletes that we've had on. You know, you're, you're 31 years old. That's, you know, soccer-wise, that's, you know, that's a little bit older. How much longer do you think you can go, and what do you expect from uh, from Louisville this year? Um, so to answer the first question, 2011, um, it was a really special year. You know, we didn't actually have – I mean, it was tough, you know, in college soccer. It's so competitive that there's, um, you know, so many teams that it's really tough to, you know, be good consistently. Um, so we had, we had an incredible year. Um, I actually late in the season went on a goal scoring stretch, um, scoring in the last regular season game, um, and then scoring a game winner in the the MAC MAC championship final to get us to the NCAA tournament. Um, it was like eighty fifth minute header to put us through, and then scored the first goal in that first round game. Um, and then I mean, so I, that was that was just really you know a really special. Um, you know, kind of stretch there and all that kind of happens so quick in college soccer because, you know, you're playing a lot of like Friday, Sundays and Wednesday, Sat Wednesday, Saturdays. So, you know, the season's so fast and so quick that it's like, it's almost like a blur, like a blink because it all, uh, the season's so condensed. Um, and then second, remind you your second question. So you're 31 years old. How much? How much longer do you think you'll be able to go? 
Okay. So I, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know. I, I try not to put a, a time limit on it or a number really. Um, you know, I have had some, some knee injuries in the past that just kind of, uh, you know, give some residual knee pain. Um, so, you know, it's just like something to, to factor in. It's like, you know, everyone kind of picks up their, their knocks and everything. So it's, uh, I don't know, this is my ninth season and I have a contract for next year and it'll be my 10th year. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a good stretch there. Um, but, you know, I, I really try not to, uh, um, factor it too much. And, uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not quite sure, but, uh, I mean, we have a, we have a really good team this year and, you know, I'm super excited. We, we returned 20 of 24 players, um, added, uh, added a couple of really good players. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're, we're a dangerous team and, you know, we have a, a lot of, a lot of good pieces. I mean, we have, you know, it's, it's crazy when we have our inner squad games and, you know, you're like, this is too playoff starting 11s right here so it's uh you know credit to the team that that we've built here and the the culture that we have awesome thank you sean for joining us tonight we appreciate you coming on it looks like you have the video queued up there behind you papa toach is behind me look at him too bad i can't play <laughs> it i had to hurry up while you were telling that story and find it because i wanted to see it and i found a tiktok of me the tiktok star and they got the Papa Toach celebration after you score the goal. Yeah. So it, it's, we, we don't have the budget well, here, but. Okay. Well, well when, you, <laughs> I'll, I'll it, when you get when you get a chance to watch it, and if you get I the did. audio, there's like some there's like some bagpipes playing in the background. <laughs> and then one of my favorite moments, there's like there's one of one of his friends comes up to him and is pointing and banging on his chest with their finger and says, That's you. That's you. <laughs> so like okay, you just hear that, that part. <laughs> and then you just like you just like the pure joy emotion like it that's that's like soccer and sport just sport in its purest form and really that's that's my favorite thing about you know any sport and soccer in particular is, is the the raw emotion it brings out and uh you know that's that's why I always want to be around and have sport involved in my life in some aspect because of these pure raw emotions that they bring out of us. Yeah, it was a much better ending, Mike Revan. You say, hey, when are you going to retire? When are you going to quit? Come on, man. <laughs> what a downer. Why don't you ask Oh, uh, yeah, that? you're getting pretty old, huh? Yeah. Hey, man, <laughs> well, you, you, you know, I, you I, I asked Cal Greg that, and, uh, you know, he said he wasn't sure, and then he ended up retiring at the end of the season there. So you just, you just never know. That's why I was wondering. But uh, I want to remind everybody, make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for watching. Have a great night.